We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Tuesday Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Jake Litarski alongside Eric Turk. If you're out there on Twitter, you can follow Eric at ETCAT30. You can follow me at Jakeski52. We're going to go ahead and wrap up a very busy slate of training camp news, roughly going back, I don't know, about 30 hours from the time of record here. Normally during Tuesday shows here, we're going to get going uh, with the waiver wire, but uh, until then, we're going to work on 
any and all information that is relevant to get you ready for your fantasy football drafts in 2016. Eric, we've got a lot of news on the slate today, a lot of kind of mid-tier updates, but still very important things to get to from a fantasy perspective. Let's start off with Julius Thomas. It looks like he still has some minor discomfort in his surgically repaired right hand from last year. What are the major implications of this? Well, of course, uh, being a tight end, you have to catch passes with your hand if you're <laughs> if your hand is going to be hashtag hot take right there. Yeah, I mean, dude, that's so, the analysis of the week. But if your hand is going to be experiencing discomfort, you know there there's probably going to be further issues with uh, drops than he maybe had in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, in addition, he actually uh, didn't finish uh, Tuesday's practice. He dealt with or trainers were at least examining his left foot so that'll be something to watch we don't have any further word or any uh like specifics about this potential injury but mm-hmm. uh i guess i guess the thing to be concerned about right now is more so the hand than the foot yeah exactly that, that that's very interesting now thomas limited to just 12 games in his inaugural season with jacksonville there after peyton manning made his career a few a couple seasons there in denver is this news enough to act on to maybe give Mercedes Lewis a tiny uptick in some real deep formats, or are we still kind of taking a wait and see to see how they distribute things during the preseason? Yeah, it's it's far too early in uh, the preseason or in training camp, let yeah. alone the preseason, to uh, really know. Uh, once a you know once a few games uh, happen, the first team offense gets to work together in games. I guess we'll have know a little more at that point. Yeah, I think if he does miss any time in the regular season the benefit instead of going to mercedes lewis is more likely to go to the receiving core right likes of alan robinson alan hearns marquis lee those kind of guys if we can get marquis lee back in action here so uh, <laughs> uh yeah i mean lee was a sleeper for me last year uh, yeah. didn't quite pan out but he showed some flashes of potential uh he just it's a matter just of depth off chart injured. The, yeah. yeah it's a, it, injuries and a matter of depth chart too he has two sure. solid options in front of him here yeah all right well we kind of alluded to this news uh in previous shows but uh the reggie bush signing in buffalo that becomes official here can he really make an impact with this team or is he just too far down on the depth chart at the moment to become fantasy relevant uh he he has a plenty of time to actually work his way into the uh mix here Uh, of course LaShawn mccoy is the number one there Mm -hmm. but uh his presumed number two carlos williams actually came into camp the offseason program and now camp overweight and he's actually uh He's on the non-football injury list right now. Uh, do we know the reason again for that? I, I mean, he is set to miss the first four games of the season yeah. due to a substance abuse uh, violation, but it sounds like he didn't uh, necessarily do so hot in his conditioning test. And, of yeah, course, him right. arriving overweight has uh, something to do with it. So I think just a culmination of things, they're, they're going to try to send him a message here by throwing him on the non-football illness list. So right. uh, unavailable for the first four games. So, I mean, is Reggie Bush's value limited there's those first four weeks or i mean we've seen guys who enter the league with big you want to say i don't want to say character flaws it's hard to say this without knowing the guy but the track record would suggest a little bit of disciplinary uh issues there so i mean could this could he could his tumble down the depth chart extend past week four yes <laughs> it <laughs> yes, could de- i mean simple answer i mean yeah we, we see this with a lot of people right like well bush uh one, th- one thing he brings to the table is returnability. He's mm-hmm. probably going to be the primary punt returner because according to uh, according to uh, Rex Ryan uh, Tuesday, he expressed disappointment in the return game. Um, Reggie Bush is a 
noted punt returner. I think he's going to end up holding down that role. Um, perhaps uh, that will do enough to actually get him in the good graces of the backfield rotation too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, there's there's always that going on when uh, when Ryan's not watching that new feed show on HBO. He's mm-hmm. uh, worried about his running back depth here. Yeah. And, uh, of course, Mike Gillisley, Jonathan Williams still factors there, but I can very much see Reggie Bush getting a role in the return game. I mean, he's 31, so he's over he's he's over the hill in running back years, I guess you could say. Right. But, you know, of course, hey, after only playing in five games last season, 11 the game before, maybe he's a little bit rested. Yeah, right. And um, McCoy will be the bell cow. There's no doubt about mm-hmm. it. But I can still see Bush coming in there, spelling him being a pass-catching option. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I've brought up in past weeks is uh, – the receiving core, pretty depleted here. I mean, Sammy yeah. Watkins is your stud, your your clear-cut number one here. But after that, on the depth chart, you've got Robert Woods, Marquise Goodwin, just a lot of unproven names yet or, who have been or guys that have disappointed, you know, yeah, that, uh, considering their potential. And Reggie Bush does have the ability to play in the slot. So yeah. there's some PPR utility that could be worked into there, right? Mm-hmm, for sure. Exactly. All right, well, another news item that we have going on today, Tyron Matthew, former LSU standout here, the Honey Badger, Signs a five-year, $62.5 million extension, $40 million in guaranteed money. Now, we mentioned some character issues here with Carlos Williams. Tyron Matthew has had some of those same question marks in his past years. Is $40 million guaranteed a little bit too much to vest in a guy like that? Yeah, the funny thing, uh, when it comes to him and character issues, he hasn't had any of those character issues since he was in college. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been pretty much a model citizen since he's uh, arrived in Arizona in 2013. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one thing that helped him out was Patrick Peterson, a fellow LSU guy, also in town, like mm-hmm. showing him the ropes of how to be a professional. And that that's really obviously paid off in this uh you know deal that he received on Tuesday. Forty million guaranteed. If it seems like a lot. The next highest safety is Harrison Smith. Earlier this offseason, he received twenty eight point six million mm-hmm. guaranteed. Yeah. He, he went wow. twelve million over that yeah. with his contract. And of course, the Cardinals generally regarded as a, as a respectable and thorough organization, especially with how they've been building back into uh, relevancy these past few seasons here. And you got to imagine if any hint of a question mark still lingered about that this contract wouldn't even be on the table so sure congratulations to the 24 year old he's younger than me and is already quite a bit richer than me or richer than i may ever be here yeah. but uh yeah way to go honey badger uh just real quick i mean from an idp standpoint probably not working his way into the mix a ton i would imagine just because usually when you want an idp uh you want heavy tackle numbers from your safety right and he's not necessarily getting those though he is prone to potentially the big play yeah, and he's actually coming off a pretty serious knee injury, remember, to mm-hmm. a torn ACL. Uh, he doesn't want to come back until he's 100%. That could impact his early season uh, availability. Uh, mm-hmm. He previously can't, had to come back from a torn ACL on the other knee. Uh, that happened in 2014, and it was a really slow going. He tried to force the issue, and he just had an ineffective campaign for the most part. Last year, he was actually healthy and went off. I think he's willing to, to totally willing to play a 13 14 game season and be, you know, the type of player he was last season. So that also hinders his IDP viability. Okay. Right now I think in our IDP rankings he's around 100. 
herself. Yeah, she's 40th among defensive backs. And I do want to put mm-hmm. my foot in my mouth a little bit, saying the tackles are limited, because he did have 89 tackles in 14 games sure. last year. So that's that's pretty reasonable for a defensive back here. You know, more than more than any cornerback. He's going to be valued probably higher than any cornerback. Typically, the good cornerbacks don't get thrown at a lot, don't get an opportunity for tackles. But 14 games last year, uh, he did force a fumble, 17 passes defended. He worked a sack in there, and he had five interceptions with a touchdown. And then, yeah, the 89 combined tackles. So actually viable, maybe an IDP sleeper, really, right. as you, uh, you're thinking about it like that. Yeah, the thing is, uh, in an IDP league, unless it's really deep, you're probably not going to be drafting him, and drafting him actually. Mm-hmm. you know. But you put in a sizable fab bid. If you have fab in your league, say in week two, if he doesn't like actually start off the season active. Yeah, exactly. Now, if if you're in an IDP league where you generally just start three IDPs and they can be of, of any position, mm-hmm. almost always I'd say about 10 out of your 12 teams in that league are going to start three linebackers just because of the yep. tack, tackle total. However, if you're in an IDP league where you have to start one or more defensive backs, then I think he works his way into the fold. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Well, we've got some more news out of camp here. Uh, San Diego camp, particularly. Stevie Johnson, uh, who has undergone a torn meniscus, he suffered. Uh, He doesn't have a recovery timetable just yet until after he undergoes surgery, which is scheduled for later this week. Now, a meniscus, certainly not an ACL or MCL injury in terms of level of severity, but still concerning and probably knocks him off the radar in 12 team leagues. Yeah, for sure. I, it's really it's really it really depends on the like uh extent of the tear. This mm-hmm. is, the surgeons are not going to know until they actually go in there and see the entirety of it. Um I could see him back, you know, as early as say late September, but it could be, you know, November too. I mean, it's such a such a huge range of recovery timetables that uh yeah, I would avoid him for now. Yeah, absolutely. Unless you're in your really deeply. Yeah, you'd have to be pretty deep here. Now, the main question here, I think there's no there, there's no doubt that Keenan Allen is the sure. top receiver in San Diego. But does this help the value of Travis Benjamin, who currently sits just inside the top 100 overall, 41 among wide receivers in terms of ADP and NFFC formats? How much does this help Travis Benjamin? I mean, I maybe slightly. I think it more so helps guys like Dontrell Inman and Javante Herndon, who you know mm-hmm. had some fantasy utility late late last season because of the mm-hmm. you know the, receiving the core being situation. so devastated. Yeah. Um, even Tyrell Williams is apparently impressing a lot in uh, training camp this year, so that's maybe a name to watch in deeper leagues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot to like uh, with some of those options. I mean, you, you, they're not going to be players that are drafted. Sure, but uh, I, you know, I always, put it on a watch list. Yeah, exactly. I, I was going to bring that up. Exactly. I, I like to have a watch list of in season of guys who I know the skills are there, but we're waiting on opportunities. Exactly. So you throw those guys yeah. on a watch list under the, in in my RotoWire or use any of our apps to build a watch list. Get push notifications when a player update is written, and of course, if someone gets hurt, we always do the ancillary, ancillary players as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, those guys will get hit if uh, there is a serious injury to another. The top. Another okay. serious injury. Another right? serious injury. I mean, but hey, it happened last <laughs> yeah, year. Who would have thought right. Dontrell and Mon would uh, would be productive? Yeah. And he had some pretty solid yards per target numbers. Uh, yep. He was up mm-hmm. there, you know, pretty good yards for catch numbers. But another injury that we are watching is Ladarius Green. We both mentioned him. We both agree that he's a solid sleeper tight end option in Pittsburgh without Heath Miller around anymore. Big Ben likes to go to the tight end. But, of course, he's recovering from ankle surgery. And we still don't have a timetable yet on his first practice practice of camp here uh what's the level of concern here with the Darius green 
I mean, yes, it, it's ankle surgery. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of variability with the t- this type of uh, mm-hmm. recovery. I I own the Darius screen already right. in some of my drafts. Right. I'm ready and, and hoping. I, I thought the injury to Le'Veon Bell it means more targets to go around and in the Pittsburgh. potential suspension and, yeah, too, right? And the poten- yeah, I'm not not the injury. I meant the suspension, the potential oh, okay. four game suspension. Right, right. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I should have phrased that differently. Okay. And of course, without Martavis <laughs> Bryan, he's gone for the season. There's going to be some targets up for grabs there. I'm not necessarily mm-hmm. confident in uh, the veteran Darius Hayward Bay picking them up. Marcus Wheaton has been quite inconsistent. We all know Antonio Brown's going to get probably 200 or more targets this year. That makes him the number one pick in all of fantasy. But the rest of those targets have to go somewhere. And I've always been in the camp of thinking Ladarius Screen is one of the big candidates for those targets. I'm now, with you. <laughs> a foot injury, a foot injury starts to gum up the works here. But thankfully, we're a month till the end of the preseason. So we should get to see him in action at least once in the preseason, you'd imagine, right? Yeah. It, the only appearance he would make is week three, unless they really want to, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, tempt the devil and actually look, play him in week four with reserves. I don't think they're actually going to do that if he's not healthy by that point. So yeah. that I guess they're probably hoping he's uh, totally healthy by the end of August. Yeah, absolutely. No reason to push him too far. But another uh, noteworthy item that we need to get to here uh, comes out of Atlanta where we've got Julio Jones kind of suffered a, a minor leg injury, but he returned to full practice on Tuesday, fortunately. So that's good to, good to see. I, mean, um, the, I think all these injuries to like, you know, the you're going to be mentioning Odell Beckham and Des Bryant, Kendall Wright, like these number one wideouts. I think they're just kind of like, you know, yeah. getting banged up early in camp, the first time they're getting hit in ages. Yeah, taking a conservative approach there. But anyway, what teams are doing. <laughs> Julio Jones, though, number two among wide receivers in terms of overall ADP, which is interesting. I actually put Odell Beckham above Julio Jones, but not by a lot. Where do you stand on that debate? Um, I just love the fact that Julio Jones is getting all the targets in Atlanta and, uh, yep. Beckham actually has to fend off, you know, a few other guys there in New York, mm-hmm. uh, Sterling Shepard and Victor Cruz, if he stays healthy. I mean, Victor Cruz, I'm not really that worried about I'm not either. Sterling Shepard, a rookie. Mm-hmm. So there's that, uh, you know, then there's a couple, you know, of maybe you're right. Like it, it maybe is a fairly similar situation, but mm-hmm. I, and uh, the fact that uh, Devontae Freeman is in that backfield, and yeah. it's kind of unknown. Well, we're going to get to it. Rashad Jennings is going to be the apparently bell call back in, in uh, New York this year for the Giants. Exactly. Well, let's just talk about that. Uh, <laughs> let, let's just run into that because I think that's sure. a good transition. Uh, Rashad Jennings, yeah, the running backs coach hinting that he's going to be a bell cow there. And then you have... Andre Williams behind him, who apparently came into camp about 15 pounds lighter. I don't know if that's necessarily going to take a bunch of carries away from Andre Williams, but it's, or I'm sorry, yeah, Rashad Jennings there. Uh, So, I mean, how do you see this playing out? It's a little too early to tell, I think, in my opinion. The ADP doesn't suggest there that Jennings is anything special. Uh, If you look at just ADP, Jennings is in the same tier of backs as Chris Ivory, Derrick Henry, Justin Forsett, D'Angelo Williams, who could be on the rise, depending on the Bell News, Isaiah Crowell. Uh, All of a sudden, does that bump him into the top 30 running back-wise if he becomes the the top option? Yeah. yeah, I think it does. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I need to look up his uh, late season stats, but I'm pretty sure he had something like thing like a like a hundred like a hundred. Well, the other thing to worry about he was averaging Jennings. over 20 carries per game over the, like the last three or four weeks of the season mm-hmm. last year, and uh, that was also when back Ben McAdoo, who's now the head coach, but was previously the offensive coordinator in New York, was like kind of taking more you know sway over the offense. Okay, 
uh, I, I think uh, I think that's kind of a directive from mm-hmm. the head coach down, actually. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing to note, 2015 yards per carry up to 4.4, which was big time. He had six runs of 20-plus uh, yards in the 2015 season, as opposed to 2014. I mean, injuries shortened, granted, but in 2014, he only averaged 3.8 yards per carry, no runs of 20-plus yards, period. So Rashad Jennings... He's he's he seems like he's the rare back who has crossed over from 30. He's 31 now, but his stock may be on the rise a little bit as as opposed to last season. Yeah. So looking at his uh, last four games last year, he had 79 carries over the last four weeks. He went over 20 carries twice. He averaged over five yards per carry in the last three games. He scored two touchdowns on the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like they were just they were basically riding him, and it seems like they're going to do that or extend that into this season. Exactly. I mean, you look down the depth chart, Shane Vereen is essentially an afterthought outside of a Bill Belichick offense. He's nothing to call home about. Then you have Andre Williams, who, yeah, you know, hey, that's great. It's a second-year player. He's coming to camp in shape. Great, but you're a professional football player. Everyone should be coming to camp in sure. shape a little bit. So that's why all these those, these news updates, uh, although they're worth noting, if you know they maybe have been overweight in the past, I'm just not I don't get too excited about all of a sudden coming to camp in shape because, once again, you're a professional. You need to be doing that. So, uh, yeah, you, you alluded to the uh, Odell Beckham here. injury. He was cleated uh, on the ankle Sunday, but he's back in practice. What do you have here? I, so uh, this is actually from the uh, Rotowire Fantasy Mag uh, yeah. for the NFL this season. Uh, our uh, noted Sirius XM host and uh, Giants fan Chris Liss actually wrote this in the magazine. In reference to Andre Williams, the plotting and stone-handed Andre Williams. The plotting and stone-handed. Okay, so there we go. Even more uh, more adjectives that are going to encourage the fact that Rashad Jennings should be taken over yeah. in camp. But all right, you got Odell Beckham cleated. That's not really newsworthy. He's back. You know, I mm-hmm. got cleated plenty of times in high school, and that didn't even make me leave practice. They basically yeah. tell you chuck some dirt on it and go. I suppose if you're getting paid millions and millions like Odell Beckham, they might give you a day of rest. Uh, another similar tier newsworthy item probably not so newsworthy des bryant's got a blister on his foot again this is one thing that if, a, if elevated happen- activity exactly if it <laughs> happens to an offensive lineman dude throw some dirt on it you're going to practice if it happens to des bryant who's a major major part of your offense and it's early in camp and he's a veteran and he's coming off a jones fracture in his foot a, that yeah okay that's probably the biggest factor right there Eric. you know <laughs> so that that's probably the big one that's going to be like okay let's give him some time right let's let him take a breather let's have him back off a little bit there so that's uh no but as opposed to a blister a tweaked hamstring is something that's a little bit worrisome and that's what happened to kendall Wright. now we need to see if they're going to go ahead and call it a mild strain or anything like that but at this point in camp there's no reason to go too hard with a guy like that right right exactly yeah so kendall Wright, the news you know not too crazy he's an interesting case for me personally i know he's gotten a lot of hype in previous years but he's always he's never really lived up to it at least from a fantasy perspective here now you look at adp 67 overall among wide receivers so he's looking at like a wide receiver six or so mm-hmm. in even in some deeper formats i think there's a chance that he doesn't even get touched in uh in a 12 team format that there's just not a ton to get excited about there not someone that i'm going to draft and expect to start every week yeah so in his second season in 2013 went for a thousand yards but 
he's never actually surpassed eight yards per target. He's uh, fell, fallen below seven yards per target twice in his four-year career. I mean, there's not a heck of a lot to like, honestly. And that and there's a lot of mouths to feed because yeah. Marco Murray, I'd imagine, is the focal point of the offense. And then after Wright, who's listed as the number one receiver on the depth chart, you've got uh, Rashard Matthews coming from Miami. Mm-hmm. Doriel Green-Beckham was a pretty popular sleeper last year. There's a chance he puts it together this year. And then behind them, you have veterans in Andre Johnson and Harry Douglas, two guys that aren't going to carry your receiving core, but as long as they're there, they might get a couple looks. And then don't even forget about Delaney Walker, a top five fan fantasy tight end on a lot of lists at least ADP says so right. so there's a lot of miles to feed there Kendall Wright should get his but I'm I'm not so high on him this year so the the Titans base offense they actually only start two um wide outs uh they maybe occasionally put in a third wide out but Kendall Wright and Rashard Matthews have been uh working with the first team consistently uh uh Doriel Greenbeckham and Andre Johnson consistently with the second team Harry Douglas and Justin Hunter with the third team. So it has been breaking down like that so far in camp. But mm-hmm. this potential injury to Kendall Wright could, you know, push DGB yeah. or Andre Johnson up a little bit. Yeah, push them up in, in camp groups. But by the time right. week one rolls around, I mean, there hasn't been any indication to sure. to, uh, to discuss, to say that the injury is over, overly serious. I'm just backing off on him because I don't necessarily, I mean, last year, 6.8 yards per target. That was his lowest since his rookie year and almost a full yard fewer than 2014 so you know for a 26 year old that's not the direction you want to see your stats be heading heading no. into what's supposed to be your football prime right exactly all right so uh continuing with the camp news here uh we've got a lot of players here uh, on the bears roster it looks like zach miller eddie royal uh john brown all those guys are in concussion protocol here uh anything and noteworthy as far as it being this early in camp i it's not something to be worried about more than a month away from week one on the other hand concussions can linger and that could really hurt their ability to like get a rapport with their respective quarterbacks whether it's mm-hmm. uh, jay cutler or carson palmer with john brown mm-hmm. brown is actually uh there's a potential for him to return to practice thursday so he seemingly is mm-hmm. progressing more quickly through the uh, concussion protocol than the other two guys that we mentioned Zach Miller and Eddie Royal mm-hmm. yeah concussions are one of those things that I never really thought of when I was playing fantasy football when I first started out in the second grade but uh <laughs> but now all of a sudden CTE that's a big deal people are going to be overly cautious about it so just like knee injury history or ankle injury or hamstring injury or those types of injuries you have to be wary of concussion history mm-hmm. when when drafting and looking at that and 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 Stotts on Rotowire does some very good injury pieces uh, yeah. that you want to pay attention to during the season here. Uh, more injuries, though. TJ Yeldon, uh, actually, this is good news. He returned to practice. He's been dealing with an ankle issue. Back to these Jaguars. Uh, right now, our Jacksonville depth chart has Yeldon listed behind Chris Ivory on the depth chart, which is a bit intriguing, uh, maybe slightly different than what the ADP says. I know they've been neck and neck all season here. Uh, I mean, this is a backfield that's going to be very interesting and a job battle that is worth monitoring from a fantasy perspective here. Now that Yeldon's back, Yeldon number 32 among ADP, whereas Ivory is 35. So they're neck and neck here. I mean, I mean, that, that, is it too early to predict who produces more? It's totally too early. It, <laughs> that, I don't think they've come out and said like other teams, uh, you know, we're going to do the hot hand approach. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just seems like they're going to split the carries and maybe they're maybe if one guy suffers an injury the other one will become then the bell cow back or the the clear-cut number one back but it seems like they're just gonna 
utilize their respective skill sets. Mm-hmm. For my way too early August 2nd analysis, I'd say personally <laughs> that I would lean towards Ivory and PPR, Yeldon and non-PPR because Ivory is more of a PPR threat. Yeldon, I would imagine, gets the uh, gets the goal line carries. Tobimbo Gerhardt is no longer in the mix in Jacksonville. <laughs> One of the better real first names, Toby for short, in case you were wondering there. Uh, but moving along here, Matt Forte makes his first practice appearance of Camp Tuesday, and he's even in pads. So he looks like he is going to be ready to go, at least for the time being here. Uh, one of the biggest movers of the offseason, of course, heading to the New York Jets, where he presumably takes over the role of the number one running back here. What are your expectations from a fantasy perspective for a guy like Matt Forte this season? I mean, he's going to be the uh, clear-cut number one back. Mm-hmm. The other guys behind him are more like one-trick ponies, you know, uh, what is Bilal Powell like in your mind? I mean, I think maybe PPR with relatively modest numbers, but I don't think he's going to take away from Forte. Here's and then the Kyrie Robinson. Thing. Kyrie Robinson. I was he was one of those flyers that I was thinking about early on, yeah. but I, at this point, we kind of know what he's getting, what he brings fantasy owners, and then that's not a whole lot. Now, look at the ADP here. Matt Forte's number twelve overall. We talked wow. about. Uh, <laughs> Uh, not not overall overall among running running backs, backs yeah, right yeah. yeah i'm not saying don't right, have no, matt no. forte in the first round watch <laughs> it but uh no but here's an interesting thing you said you were pretty high on LaShawn mccoy LaShawn yes. mccoy checks in at 14 overall now how do you if you're drafting and you're in a position well, to take a back and you have to decide between shady and matt forte uh let's just say a ppr league let's call it that for now who who are you leaning towards I'm actually going to lean toward Forte in that scenario. And I, I wasn't, I guess I to- totally didn't say that I was uh, high on McCoy. I'm just it, the, like, what are the other running back oh, options yeah. in I there? Mean, in just that the fact offense? that he's going to be the, uh, the bell call. Okay. So maybe I right, misinterpreted right. that a little bit. We've yeah. got McCoy getting most of the carries here, but it's the same situation with Forte, presumably. Yeah. I, but what I like with uh, Forte is there are actually like, there are two viable receivers in that offense that are going to be opening up the offense, right? Mm-hmm. So he's actually going to have more room to operate, whereas uh, Bill's opponents can actually stack the box and contain uh, LaShawn McCoy. Yeah, exactly. McCoy is going to be the focal point of the offense, especially if Sammy Watkins gets hurt or is, is missing time. Now, I mean, Watkins is a guy that has the ability to draw attention away when he's healthy and when he's playing in games, but you just you don't quite know yet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, Matt Forte on the wrong side of 30 here has got a lot quite of tire a bit of... Tr- exactly. <laughs> a, lot of tire on, a lot of tread on the tires there for sure. Uh, I mean, two. I mean, last year was the first year... I mean, okay, so like, okay, let's go his last four years. 218 carries, that was over 13 games. And then before that, 266, 289, 248... 203 over 12 games then 237 over 16 his age 23 he had 258 carries his age 22 season 315 carries that is a boatload of carries for a guy that is uh, turning 30 so we never really know but at the same time when he's healthy and when he's featured he's a PPR beast he has been yeah uh, he used to be a first round pick when he was with Chicago not and not to mention the fact that over the last seven seasons he surpassed seventy targets five mm-hmm. times. Yeah, I mean, and including one hundred and thirty in twenty fourteen. Yeah, big time PPR <laughs> threat. I mean, a lot of that's Jay Cutler. Oh, oh shoot, oh shoot, I don't know what to do. Uh, Forte, you yeah, know, doing that. Uh, or if, I mean, that was before he, Cutler had Brandon Marshall to just force him the ball to every single time. We've probably watched it's way gonna, too much Bears football over the years. It's, and it's going to be a nice. He's going to be a nice security blanket for uh, Ryan Fitz, Fitzpatrick in New York as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, and Fitzpatrick, a smart guy, he'll know when to dump it off here. But sticking with the running backs, we've got to talk about Arian Foster a little bit. Jay Ajay has suffered a bit of an injury here, so he's been limited in camp. That means 
Arian Foster, the recently signed Arian Foster, is working with the first team offense a little bit. Uh, what do you take of this news, or is this another situation where it's just way too early to tell? I was actually kind of shocked that he was already activated from the pup list on Sunday and then subsequently was already working with the first team two days later. I mean, this is happening this quickly. I mean, I, you look at the rest of the depth chart, Damian Williams and Daniel Thomas sure. have faltered in their only opportunities. Kenyon Drake still very unproven. At least you have a veteran at number one that knows an NFL offense and can be up to speed and isn't going to uh, slow things down for everybody yeah. else. Um, the fact he is, if he was indeed uh, taking part in team drills, that includes contact, right? Mm-hmm. The fact that they're allowing him to take contact is a huge development, especially coming off the Achilles tear. I I did not expect him to be practicing uh, at this at this capacity at this point in the preseason. Yeah, or in training camp rather. Yeah, so that's going to make interesting waves in terms of ADP. Right now, we've got uh, Jay Ajayi. He's at twenty seven, but he's well on his way down. Where you have a guy like Foster, who's at forty one. He's significantly up from where he has been over the last few weeks. So uh, they're getting closer and closer to the point where Foster might surpass him a little bit. I'm still not going to be too aggressive on Foster. I know what he is. I know what the inherent injury risk is, and I know how Miami has used running backs in the past. That being said, I think what we're going to get to point shortly here where Foster is going to surpass Ajayi in ADP. Sure. And what is his overall ADP? Overall, we got Foster at 134 wow. overall. So we're looking at like 11th, 12th round basically exactly. right now. Exactly. And right now Jay Ajayi is about 80 overall. Yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah. I don't, I, anyone eighth, that... Seventh, eighth round. Anyone that's not following the news and looking at a cheat sheet in your draft, if you have any of those leagues with those super casual fans, they take Jay Ajayi. Thank you, because then you don't have to touch him. I know right. I, a lot of people have been high on him, and, and they like what he can do. The, the competition worries me a little bit, and the fact that he's young, and Miami might be afraid to give any back a full workload here. So that just discounts both of those options for me a little bit. I think by the time we hit September 1st, though, it's August 2nd today, by the time we hit September 1st, Foster surpasses Ajayi. True or false? True. All right. I, and it might even happen by, say, the first preseason game, which will happen uh at- as soon as August 11th. I don't know the exact date, but that's when week one of the preseason starts. All right. Okay, so very interesting. It's a job battle worth monitoring in camp here. Uh, one last position group we're going to get to before we wrap up today. That's the Detroit Lions wide receiving group here. Now, they recently signed Anquan Bolden. Presumably, he's going to work number two behind Golden Tate. However, we've got some Marvin Jones commentary, I guess, or news out of camp. Take with it what what you will. (laughs) But uh, he's impressed Coach Jim Caldwell with his versatility during the opening days of training camp. Somehow that statement seems to me like the writer needs a little bit something to write about. But at the same time, I can buy it. It's a 26-year-old who should be roughly in the prime of his career. Got signed to a five-year, $40 million deal and is going to take a lot of the responsibilities of Calvin Johnson. Maybe doesn't have the hands, the build, or the athletic ability of Johnson. But at least with the targets, he can do something from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, everybody kind of rolled their eyes when they saw over the summer Matthew Stafford stating that he thought the that this year's Lions offense was going to be more explosive without Calvin Johnson. Uh, but maybe they had uh, maybe he had a point. Maybe he was maybe he liked the way uh, Marvin Jones was running routes for him, mm-hmm. um, both stretching the field, running crossing routes. Uh, he's been catching apparently everything in practice so far in training camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bolden um, has been an underneath receiver doing the usual Bolden stuff like yep. 
going where nobody wants to go, basically. I mean, yeah, I could see where more, more explosive, quote-unquote, could come into play here because you do have young options that are seem to have been on the verge of breaking out. I'm talking like tight end Eric Ebron. He, he any of these years now, I mean, we were all pretty high on him coming out of the draft, but it usually it takes NFL tight ends a few years to settle sure, in. Yeah. Amir Abdullah is another player that's rising on my draft boards. I think if he plays 16 games, he could finish as a top 15 back. There's no yeah. question about that. So the young players, if they finally realize some of their full potential, this Lions offense, it'll be better than a lot of people thought. Can Matt Stafford out outscore Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in shootout probably not no (laughs) but uh I mean the offense could be better than predicted is the point that we're trying to make here and Marvin Jones despite the acquisition of Antoine Bolden could work himself into some modest fantasy utility this season right exactly I agree with that Mm -hmm. so I mean yeah Detroit I mean a lot of people are discounting Stafford for example Stafford his ADP has definitely been falling quite a bit do you want to discount Jim Bob Cooter I could never discount a man named Jim Bob Cooter. Uh, Google his name for news searches. You'll find some interesting stuff there uh, that we won't discuss on air. But, uh, yeah, Jim Bob Cooter, uh, that offensive, one of the great offensive minds of our generation. I can't even say that. But, uh, no, Stafford number 14 overall among ADP. So he's not a QB1 in 12 teamers. Do you think he's being overvalued or undervalued? Um, maybe slightly undervalued. Mm -hmm. Slightly undervalued. He'll end up as a quarterback one. I think if you take... If you're banking on Derek Carr, Phillip Rivers, Kirk Cousins as your quarterback one, you almost have to decide, and you end up taking Stafford, so you have to decide week to week because there's potential there. I think in that tier of quarterbacks, it comes down to matchup each week. Yeah. All right, well, that'll do it for the Tuesday Roto-Wire Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Remember, if you have a chance to uh, rate and review our podcast, uh, if you're listening on iTunes Stitcher, please do so. It's a big help. Otherwise, uh, that'll do it uh, for today. I'm Jake Letarski. You can find me on Twitter at jakeski52. And over here, it's Eric Katuri, and you can find me on Twitter at etcat30. The Roto-Wire Fantasy Football Podcast will return on Thursday. A Napa guy knows that by the foot, there's no better ride than an old station wagon. Room for six people facing forward, two people facing backward, and a whole lot of luggage, lumber, and bicycles haphazardly strapped to the roof. If you can parallel park that beast, you can park anything. And with some quality parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep your land ship running longer, stronger. It's not obsolete. It's a rare treasure. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how.